Why, hello there. It's Chappie, the British butler. And as always, I come ill-prepared for the show. Um, so I, I, I normally have to look up what number show it is. Oh, by the way, it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, if you haven't realised. Um, I mean, you've heard enough of these. haven't heard enough of this nonsense over the last seven months or so uh, that you would recognise the dulcet tones of your dear host, Chappie. I'm a humble butler. I'm uh, more skilled in ironing, pressing, serving drinks with white gloves, um, uh, white cloth, pristine white cloth draped over my arm, and um, a, a longish sort of morning suit. Uh, this is what is required in Chappie Towers. Uh, it really is platinum service here at Chappie Towers, and uh, it, it, it's lovely to have you here. So it's actually episode 56, 56 of uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. My hair is super big, super big. I've teased, teased my hair up this week, uh, and it's looking like an 80s style, sort of Farrah Fawcett, Tanya Roberts, um, the guys from Dallas, Knott's Landing, Falcon's Crest. That's how big my hair is. It's big as a lady's hair from Dynasty or Dynasty. That's that's I really vo- volumed it up today. Um, but you know, I, I I I sort of do get stuck in these eras sometimes. Um, I mean, I remember a time when I turned up in a uh, in a tan suit, a light summer suit, um, brown shirt, uh, a brown pocket square. And I thought I was a cross between Don Johnson and Roger Moore uh, getting off the plane, uh, the Concorde in Moonraker, uh, where I looked like more of a sort of uh, washed up American football star with huge shoulder pads. The shoulders just wanted to erupt from that suit jacket. Um, And uh, it wasn't a good look and I was told that at at a later date. But you know what? The brown pocket square, the, the, the handkerchief in the top pocket will always be a ratings winner an absolute ratings winner without a doubt and you know that's that's what that's what you need you need sort of ratings winner so that sort of 70s and 80s look with the uh with the summer with the summer suit uh was an absolute delicious delight welcome along to the program we have a a packed show as always uh we have a podcast today and one tomorrow um, I'm, I'm just all I'm doing is drinking extra tea. There, there's no, I'm not induced drug induced or anything like that to give me the energy to do two of these fiery, energy thriving podcasts uh, a week. Um, some of the things we may be talking about today: um, sherry and trifle. I talked about trifle last week uh, on the uh, Anglo um, uh, Arc archive uh, and. I forgot to, uh, I, I mean, I remembered to put the sherry in the recipe, uh, but I forgot to put the sponge in. And my mother said, Andrew, you, you, you forgot to put the sponge in the, in the trifle. You, you forgot, you've got removed the sherry, but the sponge, it has to soak. So anyway, uh, apologies. We'll be going over that a, a little bit later as well. Uh, we also uh, may have some uh, historical tinder, an enigmatic English eccentric. Uh, more from the uh, the Anglo Antique Archive as well. Some lost foods from our past, potentially. Um, also, uh, what's happening to uh, pest control and professional pooper scooping in the pandemic? Are people still, you know, involved in these incredibly essential tasks for the public? 
Um, also, the, the reaction to uh, Churchill's bust, the iron bust in the Oval Office was removed. Uh, a lot of people are very peeved about the whole thing. Um, where have all the gold teeth gone? So, you know, where has all the gold teeth gone uh, in the world? that we, we used to be inundated with gold teeth. Um, also, the uh, mystery of the pickled egg. I mean, what makes this a uh, age-old treat in a pub? You can go and get some pork scratchings and you get a pickled egg in a jar. What is it about the, the, the common old garden pickled egg in an English pub? Um, also, we never talked about subliminal playlists. Uh, we never talked about um, the essential element of the jacket or baked potato. Uh, it's one of the most delicious things in the world, but you can turn it into a rather disappointing dinner treat if you don't do this thing. And we'll be talking about that uh, later. We never even went over Liz Hurley's uh, marmalade making skills. Uh, last week maybe we'll be talking about that i'm not going to slip on a uh, on a bikini to make marmalade um i, I think you sort of almost should be wearing chainmail to make marmalade because if there's any spitting up of that hot orange sugary substance it can seriously give you 10 degree burns without a doubt um also castle howard staff declined to leave during filming the bridgerton sex scenes the oldest and biggest black hole discovered in the galaxy. Bears find food in gardens of Rhode Island. Will Brexit mark the end of the city of London? Uh, struggling with your mornings, hear how to boost your energy. Uh, Nicole Schwertzinger, uh, British men, maybe it's the accent or is it the charm? Uh, quick lunch ideas, easy egg recipes. Um, also, um, uh, a gout drug could uh, cut hospital emissions by 25%. Um, Party Rebel sets labor sites a long road back to power uh, and also from the great corsets to Prada's belted coast the waste ladies and gentlemen is indeed back we're also going to have some trumpet trombone looking at some of the heinous headline crimes of the week uh, and also uh, discussing the uh, fondue in a slightly odd fashion. That'll slip into Trumple Trombone this week. And uh, more tales from the potting shed. Will Percy Grower make an appearance? Well, he may make an appearance either today or tomorrow from the potting shed. He is a man with dirt always under his fingernails. Uh, and they're always, the nails a little bit too long, really. He could be playing a guitar. But the nails are caked, 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 I tell you, in mud. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate a podcast called Keep Calm in Cauliflower Cheese. Stand upright and salute the Queen. So reaction to Churchill's bust removal mooted for Biden after outrage for Obama. It had once been a transatlantic art scandal, or at least various actors of the questionable intent would have you believe it was. Overheated, confusing and laden in the end with uh, blatant uh, blatant annoyance, the case of the White House bust of uh, Winston Churchill still persists. Joe Biden has removed it from the Oval Office after four years standing sentry under his predecessor. I mean, it's an absolute abomination to have Churchill's bust in the Oval Office when Trump was there, I think. Who thought he looked something like the wartime Prime Minister? Trump looks nothing like Churchill. Churchill was shorter, 
fatter, no hair. He liked to tipple. Maybe Trump would have been better if he had actually been drinking. If he had had much scotch as, 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 uh, as Churchill, he may have been better. An Oval Office redesign brought in new bus. Uh, Cesar Chavez, um, Reverend Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, Rosa Parks, Eleanor Roosevelt. Some British tabloids deemed it as a snub. The US Embassy in London put out a video Friday morning underscoring the special relationship between the US and also indeed London was intact. Um, and it's you know, no such thing as uh, you know some sort of argument or, or little tete-a-tete over a piece of sculpture. We've seen some discussion about Churchill's bus, so we wanted to remind everybody about the special relationship it's truly about, the embassy wrote on Twitter. Um, it was a 30-second video they had to put out. In another era, the same decision caused an outcry. American conservatives and even some British politicians declared it an issue. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a storm in a teacup, so to speak. I mean, the thing I, you have to remember here is... Does Boris Johnson have any sort of bust or sculpture of Franklin Roosevelt or Teddy Roosevelt or John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan on his desk? No, nothing to be seen in Downing Street. There's no former American politician present in Downing Street in the form of any sort of artwork. So why should the US president have Churchill's bust in, uh, inside the Oval Office? That's a big question. But everybody is a lot of fervor, fervor, fervor about the whole situation. Um, but I think everybody needs to calm down, sit down, and have a nice cup of tea, dear. Okay, so I got into a little bit of trouble last week. A little bit of trouble uh, from my dearest mother. She said... Andrew, you've had charge full a thousand times and, and, and you know you know there's a sponge in there. So I, I forgot when I was reciting on the when I was opening up the Anglo antique art last week and we were revealing Bird's Eye Trifle, you know, the powder you put in, I forgot the sponge. I I sincerely and wholeheartedly apologize to the world that I forgot the trifle sponge now mother was very upset I mean how, how can you have a trifle without the sponge son well it would be more like a trifle soup I suppose there would be no sustenance in there it would be like drinking like a creamy custody sherry induced soup that actually sounds quite delicious actually i think that would warm the cockles on any cold winter's night but i did alas forget the sponge you need to put the sponge in there and i and i took copious notes when i was talking to her she said you need to give the listeners the right ingredients come on son so the sherry soaks into the sponge first the sponge then the fruit, then the custard, then the cream. That, 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 that's the order. That's the batting order. So first up, the opener. The opener is the sponge. That, that's the opener of the innings, is the sponge. 
and then first wicket down you get the you get the fruit and then batting at number four the hero the graces of all time the custard and then the cream but I did forget this essential element of of the sponge and please let the trifle gods forgive me um, and 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 forever I will remember upon making a trifle I will remember the forgotten sponge this is the day the sponge was forgot and for that I'm truly sorry so a flight attendant reveals why you should never drink water on a plane so there's a there's a TikTok um, star I wonder if she's getting it I mean she looks like the flight attendant lady um, <laughs> Kaylee Kuko is it again I don't know um, but she's got her own TikTok account this is her name is Kat Kalamani and it's been going viral for her behind the scenes on TikTok videos D does anybody know which airline she works for surely she's gonna get into some sort of trouble she hasn't got a uniform on though her latest video implores viewers to steer clear of water on planes a 2019 study found that many airlines possibly provided passengers with unhealthy water. Kat Kalamani is a flight attendant who's been going viral. She dropped another video that has the internet a buzz as it tells viewers to uh, drink only canned or bottled beverages from a flight. Uh, do not eat these things on an aeroplane uh, and don't drink these things. The video calling out aeroplane water has been viewed two million times. Rule number one, never consume any liquid it's not in a can, or, a can or bottle, she said. Those water tanks are never cleaned and they are disgusting. She also said that most flight attendants rarely drink coffee or tea on planes. I thought that was a famous line, coffee, tea or me. Um, since they are both made with the same hot water from the coffee making machines, which they said are rarely cleaned unless they are broken. Uh, and then making a face, she, uh, she said the machines are also located close to the lavatories. Uh, she suggested asking for bottled water or canned soft drinks only. I mean, if you want to get bottled water, I have to I have to go to the front of the plane to get the bottled water. It's impossible to get bottled water all the time, and you have to go and ask for it, or they pour it out for you from those siphons or whatever they are. Um, a recent airline water study also urges passengers to avoid water on planes. A 219 airline water study by Hunter College, analyzed the quality of drinking water on 11 out of uh, and 12 regional airlines. The quality of drinking water varies by airline, uh, according to the study. Um, a water health score ranging from five the best to zero the worst was awarded to each of the airlines based on different criteria. Any score above three indicates relatively clean water. Out of the 10 airlines studied, seven received a score of under three, um, according to the study. Um, similar, Kalamani said, the study concludes that passengers should never drink any water aboard that isn't in a sealed bottle. Do not drink coffee or tea on board. I honestly, I, I remember, now, I do, I do bring my own, I have to say, I do bring my own tea bags. I, I, I like to handle my own tea bags. I don't like anybody interfering and giving me insipid, cheap tea bags. Um, so I bring my own tea bags. But I, I bring my own tea bags, and then I, uh, you know, I expected, um, you know, a delicious cup. Um, but the milk looked okay. 
uh, but they put the water in and it honestly tasted like I think it was brewed through a rugby player's jock strap. That's how bad the tea tasted. And this is this is the tips. The tips have the taste. And um, they were it was pretty bloody awful to be honest. Um, but also taking this a step further, the study also advises passengers not to wash their hands in the airplane bathrooms, but to use hand sanitizer. I mean, how are you meant to do that? I mean, I guess you could wash your hands and then sanitize afterwards would probably be the uh, uh, will probably be the the key. While the water on planes is pumped in from municipal systems, the quality also depends on where in the world the plane's located. The quality is also affected by the cleanliness and safety of the equipment used to transfer the water to the plane. I mean, I'm I'm at the v- viewpoint now. I mean, some of the aeroplane. I mean, Delta has excellent food, or well, not excellent, but pretty good food. But I'm I'm of the opinion now. Bring your water. Bring your tea. Um, could you bring a tea kettle, like a portable tea kettle, and plug it in, like a USB tea kettle that could boil your own water? Well, that might be a safety hazard, I suppose. But this may be the way forward. It's sort of you need to bring like a picnic hamper with all these essentials, all your food, a portable tea kettle, um, bottles of water. Um, but I mean, I guess you could drink all of the champagne that's on board. Maybe that's the key. Forget, dr- forget the water. Just drink, uh, just drink, uh, just drink champagne when you're 30,000 miles up in the air. That could be the solution. So I don't know if any of you out there have ever had the situation where you basically you get, um, it's almost like a subliminal playlist. You, you don't, you don't, you're not thinking about, um, you know creating a playlist or um you know you don't necessarily have um a particular list of songs in mind um but i have found over the years sometimes you mention a song and all of a sudden within hours possibly just a couple of days the song plays on the radio and it happened to me a few weeks ago i was talking about foo fighters monkey wrench and then virgin radio played monkey wrench i think it was the same day which is crazy at all the list of songs and you're talking about a song that you haven't heard in a long time and then suddenly uh, suddenly it's played it's almost like the boop, 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 boop. it's like the twilight zone but the craziest of all is so coming from the uk butler finishing school um where you know you were taught to hold the knife and fork correctly I know this is great amusement amongst some about the whole knife and fork situation. I mean, I think that when you turn the fork the other way around, it almost becomes like a shovel. This is how some of the Americans see it. And they put the knife down and they shovel it with the fork. But I've been told that having it round the correct way is more like a shovel. But you're not. You're delicately, you know, it's if you're eating a plate of English peas... You're delicately crushing the peas onto the fork. I mean, I had this on one of my former podcasts. I did give an le- education in, um, in, in culinary etiquette and table manners. And you crush the peas onto the fork and then move them up to your mouth. There's a very elegant, delicate way of eating. Um, but anyway, going back, <laughs> going back to the topic here. So I moved to the US and lived in Chicago, and then moved to Albuquerque. 
Now, you could have thrown a dart at a world map a thousand times and never hit Albuquerque. Why would you want to hit Albuquerque? I mean, the green shed is excellent. Uh, give it that. But the um, but I moved there. One of my favorite songs, obscure song, a lot of you listeners out there probably wouldn't have heard of it. Highly recommended. A band called Prefab Sprout. Great 80s band. Paddy McLoon was the lead singer. And one of his songs was called The King of Rock and Roll. And the line in the song, I think this is the lyrics. I mean, it's difficult to tell sometimes. And I know that's another whole podcast, mispronounced lyrics. But it goes, hot dog jumping fast, Albuquerque. One of my favorite songs had the town of Albuquerque contained within it. And within probably 12 years, I was living there. The humble British butler living in Albuquerque. And one of my favorite songs growing up still is one of my favorite songs king of rock and roll prefab sprout had albuquerque in it now you're truly reaching the subliminal playlist twilight zone so the castle howard staff declined to leave filming of bridgerton sex scenes when it comes to protecting the historic soft furnishings the staff at castle howard take their work extremely seriously Attendants employed by the stately home in North Yorkshire are so committed that they declined to leave the room during the filming of Bridgerton sex scenes, the period dramas revealed. Producers selected Howard Castle, uh, or uh, Castle Howard, as one of the several historic English locations for the Regency Romance, one of Netflix's most successful original uh, series. The privately owned Grade One listed estate, home to the Howard family more than 300 years ago, has previously done duty on Brideshead in the television film and adaptations of Evelyn Waugh's Brideshead Revisited. Uh, viewers see the Duke, Simon Bassett, played by uh, Reggae Jean Page, enjoy several moments of marital bliss with his bride, Daphne Bridgerton. Rules around the film of the sex scenes have been tightened, with intimacy coordinators. I mean, I, I mean, how do you, do you get a badge that says that you're an intimacy coordinator? How could one train to be an intimacy coordinator. I mean, is it rigorous training? Is it in-depth training? Do you have to remember the intimacy training guidelines? Uh, is there an intimacy training Bible? I mean, I, I mean, I guess it could be D.H. Lawrence's Lady Shatley's Lover. That could be one of the probably essential reading, uh, reading lists, I would say. Um, most productions also insist upon closed set, meaning one crew member who need to be present or allowed to see the performers in a state of undress. This rule proved difficult to enforce as the Castle Howard staff, who had been instructed to ensure the Netflix crew did not do any damage to the 18th century property. When you go into a country house, there's far less flexibility than you would ever imagine. You can't even move the bed, you can't even move the painting, and you can't even move the wardrobe said uh, one of the uh, one of the staff members so in the duke's bedroom which was in castle howard and uh, uh Donover and page spent a lot of time in that bed and there was room monitors in the room and they were doing the sex scenes and they wouldn't leave the idea of a closed set is absolutely sacrosanct for the room monitors their jobs were more sacrosanct to them so there were scenes with us where nobody actually left the, the bedroom so we'd be shooting a sex scene and they would say, go easy on the bed, go easy on the bedpost. <laughs> I mean, maybe some sort of like Regency alarm should go off if they're too rigorous 
with the bedpost. If there's fear of the bed collapsing or something. Um, we expect the post-lockdown Castle Harrow will be in high demand uh, on the domestic uh, tourist list. I'm sure a lot of people will be going along expecting to see some rumpy pumpy in these bedrooms and being sorely disappointed. Um, but anyway, I, I think maybe that could be an interesting career move for one. So uh, from one black hole to another, I guess. Uh, the oldest and biggest black hole has been discovered in the galaxy, weighing almost at 100 billion suns and located in an environment where temperatures reach a sizzling 100 million Celsius. The object at the center of the galaxy cluster Abel, uh, 2261 should should be fairly easy to find but a black hole thought to be located 2.7 billion light years from earth has gone missing posing a mystery for the astronomers scanning the universe for clues as where it went uh, however even uh, astronomers hunt for the missing black hole other stargazers have detected a new one through the observation of a quasar a swirling mass of light and matter circling the black hole and they've, uh, they've also named it a series of numbers. The quasar points to the existence of the most distant supermassive black hole found to date, uh, located 13 billion light years away and merely 690 million years after the Big Bang, is 20 million years older than any black hole previously detected and will, uh, scientists believe, provide important insight into the formation of the universe. I wonder if it's like if you cut a tree in half and you count the number of rings, if you, if you have to do something similar, if there's, if there's a calculus or some sort of um, vernier caliper measuring stick or something to count how old these black holes are. I mean, how on earth would you determine how old a black hole is? I mean, it's hard enough, you know, as you get a little older to count the rings on a tree. But uh, determining how old uh, one of these ancient uh, one of these ancient uh, black holes in the universe is must be nigh on uh, nigh on impossible. Or you need an incredibly powerful telescope. Oh, hello there! It's uh, Percy Grower. Percy Grower. Not a shower, not a grower. And we're looking at today how to prune your roses like an expert. It will be time in the next few weeks to prune rose bushes, which is always a satisfying job. You then step back and watch and wait for those newly shaped bushes to transform into mounds of flowers, big old mounds. Talking of mounds, you've got the bush, it's very much a catch-all word when it comes to roses, because there's so many types and miniatures of great gangling old-fashioned shrubs to fat hippie fat-hipped hedges to hybrid tea roses. However, they all have things in common when it comes to spring pruning. They to follow this guide. Short and recent strong shoots, those are greener and smoother rather than the brown and rough. The best flowers will be produced on side shoots that have already extended or been made from last year's growth. In pruning, you need to shorten the existing side shoots to a few buds and cut back fat new big shoots to make them produce lots of flowering shoots. In terms of how far to cut, rose varies so much. However, cutting back 30-50% is a good rule of thumb, a green thumb. Shorter growing and thinner stem varieties can be pruned more gently, pruned positively, not brutally. Oh, and before I go, how many beans does it take to make a bean soup? You don't know? Well, it takes 239 beans. Why do you ask? Because if you added one more bean, it would make the soup too farty. Cheerio for now.
Yes, we have another enigmatic English eccentric. So this week we have the gentle mole, the fifth Duke of Portland, William John Cavendish uh, Bentick Scott, earned the nickname the gentle mole for his habit of digging subterranean tunnels all over his estate at Welbeck Abbey. One tunnel starting near the stables, which ran for a mile and a quarter, can still be seen today and was big enough for special carriage to be used by the 5th Duke of Portland. According to the local history uh, site, the 5th Duke of Portland was far from mad. In a time of abject poverty in Worksop, Mansfield and District, the Duke's excavations uh, were in fact a, a, a make-work project, providing a living for 15,000 workmen. The subterranean work included the digging of flood dikes and mill ponds. Uh, Bentick, who at one stage developed a passion for digging glass-topped tunnels tall enough for fruit trees, is said to have made, been the inspiration of Mr. Badger in Kenneth Graham's The Wind in the Willows, who says there's no security, peace of tranquility except underground. His most ambitious project was a 10,000 square foot great hall dug out of clay. He painted the ceiling to look like a sunset and carved out beautiful uh, bullseye skylets to let in the sun. However, the Duke of Recluse never invited anybody over. He preferred to use it for solo roller skating rink, uh, says Atlas Obscura. Okay, so did anybody see the wolf moon last night? The first full moon of 2021 was glistening over the planet night skies and stargazers across the globe were eager to catch a glimpse of the wolf moon. Despite not having any discernible visible differences from other moons that occur throughout the year, the significance of the wolf moon has long been storied across various world cultures. So the term wolf moon is rooted in seasonal characteristics of the Northern Hemisphere. For early Native American European people, the most easily defined way to categorize lunar cycles at the time was to name them after the occurrences uh, that were common when they transpired. Hence, in late January, Wolf Moon derives from its name from the knowledge that wolves frequently howl more often at this time of year. The notion that wolves howl more frequently during January was historically rooted in the belief that they were hungry. It's a bit like my dogs, always howling for food. But it's since been found that the uptick in vocalization is so uh, is more so due to the strengthening winter hunting communications, finding pack members, and ultimately marking their territory, per the old farmer's almanac. The term, which is a large part of a larger collection of month names and lunar cycles, all compiled through Native American, Anglo-Saxon, Germanic elements, it is indicative of a time when the forces of nature and those that inhabit it were defining elements in people's lives. And it was truly stunning. I mean, it's like the big, huge harvest moons that you get. It was a fantabulous moon. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I heard, I, it wasn't the foxes howling, I think it was coyotes. Coyotes were howling last night in their packs. They were howling at the moon. Okay, so. The unsolved mystery of Wayland's baked potatoes. As if out of a Sherlock Holmes novel, Agatha Christie classic, a mystery emerged outside the Wayland Free Public Library in Massachusetts, calling all sleuths. The front lawn of the library has been accumulating what appears to be perfectly lovely baked russet potatoes, the local librarians explained on the Facebook page. One potato, two potato, calling all sleuths. The front lawn of the library has been accumulating 
perfect bait russets. One appeared early on Monday, yesterday we noticed a second. None of us can imagine how they got here. Part of the rare potato migration, uh, a kid on a bus revolted by a packed lunch. It's such a dreary day, maybe uh, you'll be able to solve the mystery of the baked potato. Um, so, I mean, could a nearby raccoon foraging in someone's compost heap or a friendly black bear leaving offerings for uh, literature people chimed in with their theories a game of hot potato gone awry it's just been napping taking us in its daily stroll or walking a trail is somebody trying to promote a book in some weird way uh, mr potato head's meme uh, popped up con uh, constantly wondering if the library had a potato cam so i mean firstly uh, i need to get myself up to massachusetts but i could definitely wolf down a number of those baked potatoes but the key, the key element, and this is what I wanted to say and been building up to here. A baked potato is fabulous. But forget, I mean, start it off in the microwave and soften the, uh, the flesh inside. Make that beautifully like um, cooked, almost like a mashed potato inside. But you need to then rub some butter and oil on it and put it in the oven and crisp up that skin. An insipid, uh, floppy baked potato is nowhere to be going. It has to have the crispy skin. Because the skin of the potato is an absolute delight. It's the best part. The crispy skin is, uh, is the best part. I mean, people used to like feed it to the pigs. That's ridiculous. It is it's an absolute delicious treat, the crispy baked potato skin. And if it's not crispy... I'm not going to eat it. I'm sorry. I'll just scoop it out and make a bunch of mashed potato instead. So it also reminds me of something that my uh, grandfather Wallace used to tell me. And I was just doing some research on it. And he must have got this poem from, uh, it was on behalf of the Ministry of Food. Some sort of propaganda influencing the British public not to waste food. And he must have heard this, I think, probably during the war. And this was played on the radio, I assume, pretty constantly. But it's from the Ministry of Food, and they uh, had light-hearted songs such as Potato Pete. And this was another one. Dearly beloved brethren, it's not a sin to peel potatoes to throw away the skin. The skin feeds the pigs, and the pigs feed us. Dearly beloved brethren, is that not enough? I mean, give them to the pigs, but crisp up that skin. The, the skin is like culinary armour. It's absolutely delicious, crisped up, lots of butter on it, and maybe some dash of mature cheddar. Okay, so we have another Trump or trombone. Uh, this is where we take some of the worst headlines of the week and equate them to either a sad wah-wah trombone or a uh, rather raspy Trump. Um, both, are, both, All the headlines are pretty poor, but uh, let's just uh, dissect them as we go along here. So uh, late night... Uh, so a late night intruder turns out to be a cheeky goat roaming the building. A uh, hotel owner was asleep in a guest house in North Wales and was uninvited visitor woke her up in the middle of the night, but the intruder is not what she expected. Um, Tracy uh, Zimden was asleep at a guest house in Landudno in Wales where she heard strange noises outside of her bedroom at 2am. Uh, Bellevue House Holiday Apartments is closed during lockdown and Mrs. The Bendon suspected intruder was creeping upstairs. Instead, she came face to face with the goggle-eyed goat looking for something tasty to munch on. 
Um, I heard what sounded like somebody coming upstairs and I heard the trotting of the hooves. So, I mean, this horned hellraiser was just looking for a midnight snack. It was trying to get attention because it probably eaten the room key as an aperitif. So bizarre evolutionary theory claims everything will eventually turn into crabs. A scientific theory explaining how several creatures have evolved into crab-like forms has suddenly become one of the most talked about things on social media. Uh, for reasons that scientists don't as yet clearly understand, different types of creatures keep evolving into something that looks a lot like crabs, and it's freaking people out. The observation that several types of animals have developed a crab-like form dates back to medieval times. It's invented the word uh, carcassation to uh, describe the many attempts that nature has uh, made to create crabs. The crab body shape is a very successful form, and as a result, evolution has tried to at least uh, five separate occasions create it. Only two of these attempts led to what scientists call a true crab, and others have risen to a creature that may look a lot like crabs to the average person, but in fact have no common lineage. Uh, I mean, I mean, in this uh, in this sort of situation here, um, these crabs are sort of sidestepping themselves into our lives. With a plague of crabs, isn't there some sort of ointment that can sort that out? And finally, uh, Trump and Trump today, Japanese lose say hello, warm your bum and glow in the dark became a, Brit a British lockdown hit. Celebs like Jonathan Ross and the Kardashians are big fans of the bathroom tech that has got, uh, got in built-in control panels that make them close and flush themselves when you finished your business. Amazing Japanese lose which uh, flush themselves, glow in the dark and open and close automatically have a surprise lockdown smash. Uh, so the masked singers, Jonathan Ross, and the Kardashians are said to be fans of the bathroom trend. Analysis of Google searches uh, revealed thousands of us have been hunting for them online. These toilets have got a built-in uh, control panel with an array of uh, features, um, automatically opening the lid as you're approaching it and closing it when you finish, and it also says hello and greets you when you enter the bathroom. Um, I know that the Japanese are fond of this sort of kitsch, uh, sort of pink feline creature that you get in cartoons, uh, they could maybe call this revolutionary toilet and loo Hello Shitty. Well, we haven't had one of these in a while. It's time for a little fireside, a butler ghost tale here. So light the fire. Pouring rain in the background. And this week's Fireside Ghost Tale is in Pottsford Wood in Suffolk. Pottsford Wood is a creepy, eerie place, even in the brightest of summer days. Almost lost amid its creeping carpets of nettle and bracken are the decaying remains of Pottsford Gibbet, last used on the 14th of April 1699, when Jonas Snell was executed for murder. The secluded wood is a truly frightening place to be on a wild winter night. The skeletal trees stand gaunt and shadowy, their branches reaching out to grip one another in a grim embrace. Locals speak in hushed tones of strange lights that twinkle from the depths of the wood. Strangers talk of a fearsome choking groan that sounds alongside them. Some who have passed to gaze among the rotting remains of the old gibbet have turned to find a mysterious figure in black standing behind them, and are horrified to see that beneath its dark cloak 
there is nothing more than a grimacing hollow-eyed skull staring back at them. No, oh, dearie me, that it was a, quite a creepy one, wasn't it? Um, so anyway, before I go today, I just wanted to you know, bring to your attention something that's been playing on my mind, curious Butler's imagination running riot. And I was thinking the other day, I know we're all into uh, teeth health and perfect sort of Liberace piano teeth these days, especially in America. But where, where have all the gold teeth gone? I mean, people used to have gold teeth in bands in the 60s and 70s. You saw a smile, you saw a gold tooth, and maybe even a ruby there as well. But where have the gold teeth gone? They disappeared over the years. You know, no one has them anymore. I know that uh, Goldie, an old dirty bastard, the rapper, had, had several gold teeth. Um, but I'm wondering if we could start a gold rush for gold teeth. I mean, they must be somewhere. There must be people with gold teeth somewhere around here. Uh, I mean, could we build some sort of metal detection into a head thermometer so we could maybe locate whoever has the gold teeth anymore? I mean, it could be a new series where we're excavating for gold teeth. We have the metal detectors out and we could call the TV show Raiders of the Lost Gold Nashes. Thank you very much for listening to this uh, highly esteemed but often ramshackle put together podcast. It's lovely to have your company, as always, uh, on Friday. We'll be back tomorrow, Saturday, uh, for the next edition of the podcast. Um, you can see me across all all sorts of portals: um, Twitter at, at Keep Cheese, uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Apple Music, uh, also um, Pandora, um, Spotify, across all of the different platforms, really. So you can find me. If you actually put a shell to your ear, I think you'll be able to hear the podcast. Just, just you know, a shell from the beach. And you could hear my dulcet tones through the ray- waves crashing on the shoreline there. Um, but again, thank you for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, but today we finish with Ralph Waldo Emerson. Finish every day and be done with it. You have done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities no doubt creep in. Forget them as fast as you can. For tomorrow is a new day. You will begin it well and serenely. Cheerio for now.